0: Hey everyone, welcome back to the Westbridge Church podcast. To learn more about Westbridge Church, including our service times, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com. This week's message comes from Pastor John McDougall, and we hope it encourages you to take your next step in your faith journey. All right, to James we go. James chapter 2 is where we're going to be today. Question as we go there. So the house is on fire. You have 60 seconds to grab what matters most. What do, you, what do you grab? It used to be mine goes right to pictures, but all of our pictures are in a digital form now, pretty much on our phone or whatever. So, so what do you grab? 60 seconds, assuming your loved ones and your, your dog made it out. What do you grab? phone, wallet, keys, the essentials, the bag, the, the purse, your computer, your safe, whatever. But after that, what, what would fall into that category of, of priceless possession? Okay. Panning out now from your house and material possessions, think, let's pan out to our entire life and, and ask a similar question. What What is what is it in the material realm and immaterial realm that, that you have that, that would fall into the category of priceless, of this is so valuable, this is a treasure? And it's interesting as, to ask that question from God's vantage point. What would he say as he looks at your life, this matters, this, is a, this falls into that category of, of treasure? we open up our the, his word it becomes clear right away his concern for you his concern for me is that, that we would have this and that this would would be something that we treasure and something that we grow and it is our faith you say well why is that the, there's many reasons but one of the most obvious is it's through faith in jesus christ that our relationship with god is restored and and grows and and we step into that and enjoy that we see uh jesus time and time again um, when he was with us what was his calling to us believe in me believe in me Paul he sums it up in Galatians chapter 5 verse 6 second part of the verse he says the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love and in today's text what James will do is lift a mirror to us or in front of us and in essence say okay take a look and how is it with your faith? H- how is it with your faith? As you stand in front of this mirror of, of this text that we're going to look at, is your faith dead or is it alive? Is your faith um, weak or wobbly, um, stagnant maybe? Or is it even growing and, and vibrant and... and uh, Arriving, how is it with your faith? The text that that we're going to look at it leads us to sweet sanity around the health of our faith. It it gives us an accurate view of of, to answer that question, but it also will do something that as we as I've been living in it this week, stokes my passion to be growing in faith. And just pray that will be happening as we as we dig into it today. So, if you would join me there in James chapter two, verse fourteen. James says, what what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such a a faith save them? Then he gives an illustration. Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food, and if one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm, well-fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself. If it is not accompanied by action, action, action. That's a theme that we'll we'll see in this text. If it's not accompanied by action, it's dead. And so the sweet sanity truth, or the big idea, core, core truth of this text is simply this. Faith without deeds is dead. Genuine faith, saving faith, is a faith that leads to life change. True faith leads to action. Leads to movement, leads to doing, leads to it, it, it's in motion. It, it changes our lives, makes a difference in our lives. James is saying you can't say that you believe in Jesus and not do, do, do what he says. When we see God as he is, when we understand what he's called us to do, and uh, the provisions he's made for us to do, to follow him, we will change. We will uh, move into action. We will respond to his lead. So what James is helping us see is the, the nature of saving faith. He's helping us understand that um, a faith that, that is, is a saving faith, true faith, is a faith that, that moves into action. So next, it's as if he uh, imagines a, a critic stepping into the room and who opposes him. There in verse 18, and it says "But someone will say, or this is that critic." You have faith, I have deeds. So they're two separate things. Faith, deeds are separate. It says, well, show me your faith without deeds. I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there is one God. It's the Shema, Deuteronomy 6, 4. Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. You foolish person, speaking to this critic who's, who's thinking this way, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? So again, James is addressing the kind of faith that's it's not genuine, it's merely mental assent. And it's interesting how he pulls the demons up. Demons believe there's a God, but does it change the way they live? No. And so he goes on to share a couple examples here. He says, Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see, at that, you, you see that his faith and his actions were working together. And his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scriptures, scripture was fulfilled that Abraham believed God as, and it was, it, was considered, it was credited to him as righteousness and he was called God's friend. You see that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. In the same way, was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a, a different direction and then he uh, wraps up with this summary it's a, a a graphic picture here of a casket and a person laid there in that casket who is lifeless he says as the body without the spirit is dead so faith without deeds is dead so this text brings us to this question, and, and as we stand there in front of the mirror of this text, it, it forces us to ask, or it leads us to ask this question, is my faith dead or is it alive? If faith without deeds is dead, that's the, really the next question, isn't it? Is my faith truly making a difference in, in how I'm living? Is my faith in Christ moving me to live with increasing surrender to His leadership? When I do what's wrong in His eyes, according to the Word of God, does it it grieve me, do I repent, and then do I seek to do what's right and to change? Is my faith in Him moving me to acts of sacrificial love and and to uh, lay down my life for the people around me as He leads me in that? Is my passion to, to do His will? And the thing that pumps me up to, uh, to please him and, and to live my life and step with him and follow him as, as I do life. And here James is holding up this mirror and, and just asking, how is it with your faith? And the question we have to ask ourselves, am I doing the will of God? I say I believe, but, but is my life action truly matching that? It's right here the, the question jumps us. We say, okay, wait a minute. I thought we were saved by faith alone, not by what we do. Because there's, the rest of Scripture speaks to this. We remember Jesus as um, clear in John. Ninety-eight times he just says, believe in me, believe in me, believe in me. And it's clear that as we understand the gospel, it is not what we do that saves us. But what Christ did for us. He came and lived the perfect life we couldn't, died for the sin that we can't um, atone for, and says, Whoever believes in me, we receive his righteousness, we receive forgiveness solely through faith in his life and his sacrifice for us. And when we put our faith in him, we receive a right relationship with God, forgiveness of sin forever. That's the gospel. <laughs> That's the good news. And it's the good news that Paul champions all throughout the New Testament. One summary of that is in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, where he says, For it is by grace you have been saved. So our salvation, we did nothing to deserve it. It's through faith. Have you ever thought even your faith is a gift from God? It's not like we bring faith to the table. We, we couldn't. We were dead in our sin. God gives us, through His Spirit, faith. He's the one who opens our eyes to believe and to understand who Christ is and what he did. And he says, it's a gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So how can James say, in James 2.24, you see that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. And so here's the summary to that, to to help as you think through this, how these two, um, really the dilemma comes together. Paul is talking about pre-conversion or pre-salvation works and that they have no power to save us or to make us right before God. So he's talking about pre-conversion works works or deeds. We can do, 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 do all we want to do. No amount of good deeds will earn a right relationship with God. We can't. James is talking about works post-salvation that confirm we truly have trusted Christ as our Savior. Does that make sense? Two different vantage points, two sides to the same coin. So the, uh, we are not saved by our works, but nor can we be saved and not work. A saving faith is a faith that works, is bringing these two concepts together. So the question today, again, James holds up the mirror and says, how is it with your faith? Is it alive or is it dead? And today, if you would answer, you know, I've, I know about Jesus but, but he, I don't know him. And Jesus describes this as being born again, where we surrender our lives to him. We, we understand fully who he is as our savior or what he did for us on the cross, that he is God, that, that, he, uh, that through faith in him, we can receive forgiveness of sin and our eternal relationship with God. He describes this as being born again. It's like we surrender our hearts and lives to him. That's conversion. And then we wake up, To a new reality, and we enter his kingdom as his children, and we have a new heart, new capacity to to love him and love others. If that's not happened to you, God's calling to you today is ask him for faith to believe. Seek him. If you have doubts, don't let your doubts stop you, let them drive you to. Who is this? Jesus. Dig into his word and ask him to reveal himself. And when he does, the next step is simply this, not to earn his favor, but to believe. Trust him with your life. Receive the forgiveness of your sin and step into a a relationship with him, which is the best, um, the treasure of this life. And for those of us, if you're looking at the mirror and you're saying, I have a faith that's alive, the next question is. Is how, how is it with your faith in terms of is it growing? Is it strong? Is it vibrant? Is it alive? You say, well, how do you know if it's growing strong, vibrant, alive? What's, what's James' answer in this text? What are you doing? What are you doing? Are you moving? Are you in action? When, when God whispers, and I go, are you going? And you say, well, does this mean I jump up on a treadmill and I've got to just exhaust myself to please god no 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 that's going back to the law this means you step into a love relationship with the creator and you pace with him jesus said come to me all you who are weary and burdened burdened from what it was in the context of the law take up my yoke upon me and learn from me for i am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls the walk with christ is an easy walk in that it's spirit-led at a pace that's healthy for your body soul life relationships that he will guide you in. There may be days he just says, I want you napping today. I want you Sabbathing today. There may be days he says, I want you to go lay it out for me. Spend it. But how do we know? Spirit led. Walking with him. But when the spirit nudges go, are you going? I love the, the pictures he gives us of the spiritual life. It says, be led by the Spirit, not, not your flesh. So when the flesh says, I want this, I want so, say, no, man, I'm going to live a life of sacrificial love. And when the Spirit nudges me to love, I'm, I'm loving. He says, don't grieve the Spirit, meaning when the Word of God reveals His will, we're not doing our own thing. It says, don't quench the Spirit. It's the idea of putting out a fire. When the Spirit fires you up to go do something for Him, Don't douse the fire, right? We go with it. And then it says, be filled with the Spirit. And that picture of being filled in Ephesians 5.19 is of a a sail being filled with wind. Lift up your life and just say, Lord, take me and I'll go. And that's the picture of a faith-filled life and a faith that's alive and going and vibrant. Is that you? And I don't know about you, but it stokes in me a passion. I want to live that way this week. (laughs) I want that kind of faith. He gives us a couple examples here abraham and we're watching abraham it's encouraging to know when abraham takes isaac his son up that mountain um, obeying god willing to sacrifice him it's 30 years after his original call so this that's a huge sacrifice god didn't call him to do that on day one of his faith journey and he's gentle with us as well in terms of the faith test that he gives us but when there comes a moment when god asks you to let go of what you treasure most for, I, for him, it was Isaac, but what's that for you? It may be money, it may be your career, maybe whatever, but he just says, I want you to, maybe your kids, I want you to trust me with, with your treasure handed to me. <laughs> Are you going to win the moment? Are you going to do that? And, and Abraham encourages us do it, do it. Every step up that mountain, you just see this guy had to be hard. He's taking his son, 17 years old probably at the time, up the mountain to sacrifice him for all he knows. He's doing what faith demands. Step by step, builds the altar, puts the wood on there, lays his son down, lifts the knife, and God stops his hand and says, now I know what's in your heart. It's a picture, a beautiful picture of his provision through Christ and the lamb that's in the the thicket over there and, and the lamb takes the place of Isaac just as Christ takes the place of, of us. The, another picture that he gives us is of Rahab and the uh, Abraham was a Jew and a, a pretty noble guy for the most part. Rahab was a Gentile and a prostitute. And same thing goes, you know, as, as she responded in faith, and a faith that acted. She received salvation. She was delivered. And remember that Israel was coming towards Jericho. She was in Jericho and she heard about Yahweh. She heard about um, Israel. And she, with the limited revelation that she had, it was a turning point moment in her life. She responded and trusted God. So when God warns you, and perhaps there's a warning on the table right now or you're hearing him speak through his word in some area of your life, when he warns you, do you just carry on with life as normal or do you receive that by faith and do whatever he's calling you to do? Make the change, turn. And she could have gone on with life as normal, but she helps these spies out that had come her way. And so when Israel came and started marching around Jericho, there was a a scarlet thread. God told her, the spies told her, let that scarlet thread hang outside your window. And before the walls fell, she and her family were rescued because she had a faith That move, that did, that was active. And then the final example that we'll have time to share today is of our Lord. And when we come to that cross moment where perhaps God, I don't know if we have moments like this, but maybe there's one moment that God's been preparing you for, like Jesus, where you will sacrifice in a loving way for somebody, for people around you. And your life has been a preparation for that moment. When that moment comes, who else is going to show up at that moment? Probably the forces of darkness. We know the devil doesn't want it happening, so he's probably going to be hitting you with some fear, hitting you with some temptation, hitting you. How are you going to make it through that moment? Those moments are when we fix our eyes on Jesus and think as he thought, and we see a beautiful moment here in John chapter 14, just before the cross, he's with his disciples. And listen to what he says in verse 30. I will not say much more to you, for the prince of this world is coming. Who's the prince of the world? It's the devil, about to unload on him. He has no hold over me, but he comes so that the world may learn, what? That I love the Father and do, do, do exactly what He commands me to do. That's it, isn't it? And that's our passion. May it be our passion in our lives that our love for the Lord would be lived out with a faith that does what God calls us to do when He calls us to do it. So, the sweet sanity of our text today that James gives us is, is this. Faith without deeds is dead. And he holds up the mirror and asks, how is it with your faith? Is it alive or is it dead? And, and I hope, pray, all of us would say it's alive, and, but I want it to be growing. And may God stoke in us that passion that when, when he moves us, we would be moving, that we would surrender to his lead, that we would love when he calls us to love, that we would do what it is that he calls us to do so this week it was uh, normally this is a very dangerous thing for a pastor to do is ever to read his past sermons and um, dad can dad can confirm it's because um God has you can't jar lightning or bottle lightning and, and he speaks he has a fresh word for through his word for his people so um, so I have resisted the urge 13 years ago we our church family went through James, but I, I have not read the, the sermons that, that I gave back then until this week. And I was just curious to uh, see how, all the, how I put this one together. And do you know what the intro was to this sermon? It was a bumper video of Liam Harold, who you saw up here, 14-year-old young man now, taking his first steps. That's how he started the service. Liam, little Liam just taking his first steps. And now here we are, 13 years later, and he's not just stepping, he's running. I saw him at the uh, cross-country meet for Danville. He's running fast. He's running miles. And I thought, what a great picture for us as followers of Jesus and God's vision and passion for you and your faith, that, that we would be growing in it so that what we were just stepping 13 years ago, now, man, we're, we're we're hitting it, and we're running well. We're running strong for him. Amen? So back to the, what, what do you grab if the house catches on fire and you have 60 seconds? I was thinking about that this week, thinking through our house, and there's really not very much that, that uh, can't be replaced. I'm looking through the closet, and there's my, all the clothes are good to go, except this one. Um, this was on a hanger, and on the hanger is one of my old running shirts, that I've attached all the bibs to the races that I've run in, endurance races. And when you finish one of those races, they give you a, a, medal, a finisher's medal, so I hung those on there. And then I put on the bib the uh, date and the time and the goal, and I can assure you it's nothing like the Welties. It, there's nothing impressive about my dates and times. And, but that hanger called my name. like I'm grabbing this bunch of stuff. And I wondered why. And I think it may be because the, the idea of race and reminds me that the, the meta, it's bigger than life. It's the metaphor of race and life and just how it, we've been called to run a race of faith. And these things kind of capture that, endure. Um, each new day is an opportunity to wake up, put on the running shoes again, and just go hard after God, faithfully following Christ with his help and with his love. But this, um, you can tell it's very temporary warming garment was given after one of the races and I was going to throw it away when I got home until I read what's on the front here and it says, the thirst you feel in your throat and lungs will be gone in minutes after the race is over but the glory of your finish will last forever. I'm like, yeah! Now, This hanger of stuff that I would save in a fire one day is going to be in a raised truck headed to the dump, right? (laughs) The guys, the glory that we're running for in this race of faith, the one who lived, died, and rose again, said again and again and again, it is worth your everything. Don't quit. Don't quit. Don't quit trust me, trust me with everything you've got, and run on. Amen? In uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, or 4, Paul says this, therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So, We fix our eyes not on what is seen, this passing world, but what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Today, may we leave this place with the passion to live with a faith that's alive, that's active, that's vibrant, and that's growing. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word to us today, for this mirror in James to just um, look again at our faith and, and uh, evaluate how we're doing. If someone is here today, Lord, and they're seeking you, I just pray that you would reveal yourself to them and give them faith to believe and to, to begin the journey with you. For uh, those of us who do know you, Lord, I just thank you for how you have given us faith and how you nurture our faith through your word, day by day, through the sweet fellowship that we have with others and just how we can encourage each other in our faith. Thank you for the ways that you grow our faith, even through our trials as we see you provide for us and empower us and give us grace step by step. And then thank you for growing our faith through prayer and and just being able to talk with you and then watch you provide in ways that blows us away so that we can say with Paul, You are the one who gives us immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. And so we we worship you today, Lord. Our hearts are just full of gratitude, and and, uh, we pray that you would be glorified in our lives and in our worship now. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.